Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Carly Banks on with us. She is with the Habit Ayurveda, and she teaches simple daily routines that support everyday well-being. So welcome to the show, Carly. Thank you. So I would love to know a little bit about um, how you got interested in Ayurveda. You know, I think uh, I have a story that sounds a lot like a lot of women. Um, I found Ayurveda when I was six months postpartum from my second child. And before I, before I started having kids, I didn't take very good care of myself. Uh, I drank a lot. I ate whatever I wanted. I didn't exercise. And at the time, it, it kind of didn't matter, right? Because I was in my 20s and were invincible at that age. But um, after childbirth, I was, I was just depleted in every sense of the word. I mean, post-childbirth is the chapter in a woman's life when she's literally at her lowest. All of our iron and zinc and B vitamins and omega-3s and all the things go to our babies. And studies show that our brains shrink, our gray matter is decreasing, and this creates that baby brain, the poor concentration and poor memory. And I was having these massive emotional fluctuations, all kinds of hormonal things that I hadn't prepared myself for. And my husband and I hadn't educated ourselves on these ways that my body and mind would change. And so I ended up with a, a postpartum disorder. In my case, it was postpartum rage. I was extremely angry all the time. I was screaming at my husband and my three-year-old daughter and my newborn baby. And when he was six months old, I was getting ready to wean him off of breastfeeding early so that I could get back on the antidepressants that I had been taking before having kids. And then I found Ayurveda and it changed absolutely everything. Oh, and yeah, we were talking before the show, we've studied with um, some of the same teachers and uh, that's kind of, I was introduced uh, actually during my pregnancy with my son is when I first got introduced to it. So uh, definitely similar stories in terms of finding it, um, you know, as you're changing, because when you become a mom, your life changes completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to share maybe if someone's listening and they might be in that newly postpartum stage, um, what are some maybe Ayurvedic tips that you can share with them? Mm. So, you know, interestingly, and maybe even unfortunately, a lot of the way that people get introduced to Ayurveda a lot of the time is, is by doing a dosha quiz, by finding your Ayurvedic mind body type. And uh, this can be a little bit misleading because in, in my experience and what I'm finding with a lot of my clients is I went through the, this Vikruti assessment, the, to, the picture of what my current imbalances were. And I was checking off all the boxes, Andrea. I, I was imbalanced in all of the doshas. <laughs> and this can be quite frustrating, especially when you're in this place of feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. Getting this list of multiple different food restrictions and lifestyle recommendations that are different for each dosha, and you're being told you're imbalanced in all of them, so you don't really know where to start. Um, this is where a lot of my clients throw in the towel and say, Ayurveda is not for me because there's just too much to take in and, and too much to 
to unravel here. <laughs> and so thankfully, before I threw in the towel myself on Ayurveda, I started to learn about, about AMA, about the buildup of toxic, undigested foods and thoughts and, and feelings and experiences in the body. And the simple ways that we can flush our AMA and heal the body through Dinacharya, through our daily routines. Mm-hmm. So if you are going to begin an Ayurvedic practice as a, as a new mom or a pregnant mom, I highly recommend not so much taking a look at the specifics of your dosha right away, but taking a look at this Dinacharya, these simple daily routines that we follow to, to ensure that your organs are functioning properly, to give yourself restful sleep and energized mornings, to make sure that your body is having an opportunity to restore its cells overnight so that you wake up feeling refreshed. And these are just the little routines of Dinacharya are so simple, things like uh, tongue scraping and oil pulling and Abhyanga, the practice of self-massage daily to reset your nervous system and help you relax into restful sleep. I love that. That was one of the questions I was going to dive a little bit deeper in with you. Um, but one of the ones I kind of want to circle back to there, because I think the first topic that you brought up about the confusion with the doshas, and I know I have a dosha quiz on my site, mostly just because that kind of gets people to, you know, get a taste of Ayurveda and then dive deeper from there. Cause whenever I, I tell people you have to know about all three doshas because of what you were saying is, you know, you can be imbalanced in any of those areas and you might have your primary dosha, but you have to know, like for myself, I'm a Pitta, but I tend to be out more in my Vata dosha and how to treat that. Um, so I would love to talk a little bit more about how do you get people to go from that just overwhelmed stage, um, to understanding it is more than just the doshas. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so glad that you just said that you have a dosha quiz on your website and that you also agree that it's not <laughs> just about the doshas, but it's important that you understand them because I also, that is my main, you know, often on my site or the freebie that I have on my site is a dosha quiz. And it's, it's fun to learn about yourself. Mm-hmm. And when I learned that I am predominantly Pitta, it cleared up so much for me and it really highlighted what my strengths are as a person, as well as my tendencies toward, you know, faulting. And I think, um, yeah, it's important that we understand all of these things. I'm sorry, I forgot your question. (laughs) (laughs) How we go from having, um, you know, that understanding of, you know, not just our dosha, but understanding maybe a little bit of all of the doshas um, and investing in the learning process. Cause I think for me and what I found with people, it, it's a learning curve. Um, and how do you get people to kind of um, want to invest in that learning curve? Mm, sorry. Absolutely. So what I have found has been the most beneficial is helping people understand that there is this greater picture of Ayurveda uh, in terms of, you know, you can learn about your, your doshas and the gunas, the sort of uh, psychology of Ayurveda and all of these different qualities of your foods that lead to balance or imbalance. 
And it is important to understand those things on the bigger spectrum, but you can start with these very simple two minute daily habits that have now in modern scientific studies been shown to facilitate such massive change in the human body. Things like, you know, intermittent fasting is, has always been uh, a foundational teaching in Ayurveda and all of these modern studies are showing that it's an incredible way to lose weight, to, you know, decrease metabolic um, disorder symptoms and uh, sustain our energy for longer. And we're finding things like you can eat the exact same foods and it, and if you change the times of day that you're eating these foods, not changing what you're eating, but the time of day that you're eating it, it can change everything about your body and how it functions. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's one of the first things I usually work with people on is flipping lunch and dinner and having, you know, dinner, yes. a smaller meal. And, usually and it's, it's like a game changer and people are like, yeah. oh, wow. Okay. And it's so exciting. I, I like to tell my clients, you guys, I still eat Doritos. I just eat them <laughs> after lunch. <laughs> I used to tell, um, gosh, 14 years ago when I first started training, I ran this boot camp, and that was one thing I told people uh, with chocolate because I had a gal who really had a sweet tooth. And so she, instead of having her chocolate right before bed, she switched it to right after our 5.30 a.m. boot camp. And she was good. She just needed that little chocolate piece. But after the workout, she found it to be just as enjoyable as right before bed. Right. So just those little shifts where you're like, huh makes such yeah. a big difference. Yeah. So, you know, it's this, it's changing the, the times of day that you're eating your largest meal. Uh, so for, for our intermittent fasting example, you know, we eat a lighter dinner, which kind of relieves the uh, energy pull that the digestive tract would be taking in the evenings. So you digest your food early, then you experience a little bit of um, that fatigue, that wave of fatigue that comes around 8 30, 9 o'clock at night, that as you know, often as moms or entrepreneurs or women with a side hustle or anyone with a lot of responsibilities, we tend to push past that signal that the body's getting tired and 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 wait for that second wind so that we can achieve more. And I really seek to help people uh, lean in to that wave of fatigue go to bed so that you can wake up earlier because that's when you can actually achieve more, you know, do it, trying to do work at nine 30, 10 o'clock at night. You're not going to get nearly as far as you would if you rise early and hit the computer or whatever it is that you're, you're trying to achieve at five 30 in the morning and seeing the results of just these little daily shifts. Like that's when people have more of an opportunity or more mental capacity to learn about the doshas. It doesn't feel like such a big insurmountable task because they have these little daily rituals that give them more energy, more mental clarity, and more keen interest in learning about, okay, what, what dosha is showing up in my body today or in this season or in this hour of the day? Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's those little practices that I think once people kind of, um, understand that that is Ayurveda, like it, it's kind of that light bulb moment. Cause I think that's what happened for me is I'm like, Oh, these are just little shifts in our, in our routines and in our daily life that we can make to feel better. 
Um, do you have any other daily routines that you like to do uh, that might be just an easy shift that people listening might say, hey, this, this might be for me too? I think one of my favorite, oh, can I, I want to share two actually, because Go for it. <laughs> as we transition into the colder season here in the Northern Hemisphere, um, one of the big things that we've been implementing in, uh, in my course communities is sipping of hot water. And this is just such a fabulous little daily detox mechanism being taking sips. We fill our swell bottles or whatever thermos bottle we have with tea, hot water. You can add a little bit of cinnamon. If you're experiencing buildup of mucus, you can add a little bit of ginger. If you're experiencing low immunity or digestive upset and just sipping this hot water throughout the day, every 20 minutes or so, it, it does such incredible things for the body. It, it, you feel like you're just melting away any potential viruses coming into the system and it, it just gives you so much more vibrancy in the body. Do you, are you a hot water sipper? Oh yes. And I have gotten, um, well, through the years now I've built a little apothecary and just this past couple years now, I've really gotten to the point where I like to intuitively go to my apothecary and say, well, what kind of tea do I want to make for myself? Mm. And that little trust and a little nudge. And it all started from exactly what you're saying is I started with just hot water and like my tea bags, um, or just plain hot water. And then now I'm kind of every year, just getting a little deeper with the practice. So I, I think it opens new doors. Mm-hmm. And this is such a great example of uh, Ayurveda offers these like little mini versions of healthy habits that you can then build upon. Like just, if you're, if you're worried about what kind of tea is right for your dosha, just have hot water. And then as you, you'll start to be more intuitive about what to add. And so the other thing that we're really leaning into right now is intermittent movement. So stepping away from the cultural norm that you got to work out for an hour, three times a week, or that you have to go to a gym to work out. And it's so easy for us to look at this as too big of an obstacle, uh, getting out the door, getting to the gym. A lot of gyms are shutting down right now. Um, so committing to an hour long home practice as a mom, as a busy human, um, it feels out of reach for many people. And so I, I aim to educate my clients on the importance of just uh, increasing your heart rate multiple times a day, even just for 90 seconds. Uh, it can make such a difference for your, the, for your circulation, for your lymphatic drainage, so the quality of your immunity. You know, it's not just about burning calories. It's about reminding your organs to function, reminding your body to function properly and not be stagnant. Yes. I, I mean, I love it. That's what we call uh, like just neat movement, which I don't, I mean, uh, my neat movement, which is like just that extra movement that you get in your day. I think a lot of us just from being at home, we're missing out on that. Like, even if you do, you know, do like a 30 minute workout, but then as you're sitting the rest of the day, like that's, mm-hmm. that's not great for the body. And so just getting up and getting away from the computer and dancing or running mm-hmm. up and down your stairs, you know, little things <laughs> like that. It yeah. makes a difference. Yeah. Those are my two main moves running uh, up and down the stairs and, uh, 
and dance parties for sure. After dinner dance parties are uh, are a daily tradition in my in my family. Oh, I love it. So. Uh, well, now, you know, you have two young kiddos and I think that a lot of us, uh, have, you know, especially if you're a mom, you know, or a dad too, if you're staying at home with the kiddos, uh, you know, we have school, we have work and then just regular household chores. Um, if people are just feeling like a little bit overwhelmed, probably, uh, any tips for like, how can I add in some just me time or just get out of that overwhelmed feeling that many of us have right now? Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, it's an unfortunate reality that a lot of our time is outside of our control. And it doesn't do us well to focus too much on the time that we can't control. We have responsibilities. We have our jobs. We have our kids. We have our spouses. We have our households to keep up. And to sit in anger or resentment of those responsibilities is not going to get us very far. Um, So I think it's important that we turn our focus to only the time that we can control. And rather than actually using the word control, I like to use the word of, you know, focus on the segments of time that where you can actually release. We tend to, overstimulate ourselves. This is a big problem in our society with social media and our smartphones and constant access to entertainment and stimulation and education in all forms. So when we, I mean, in my own personal example, when I get away from my family to get away to the grocery store, I'll hop in the car and turn on a podcast and listen on the way to the grocery store and then listen through the grocery store with my headphones in. And then my mom calls and I'm chatting with her while I'm grocery shopping. And then on the way home, I'm listening to something else. So I really recommend that we look at these little moments of time standing in the, in the bank line, if you still are doing that kind of thing, (laughs) um, going through the grocery store, driving from one place to another, take those opportunities for silence. We don't have to fill our days to the brim with doing something that we've majorly lost is, is the benefit of non-doing. The body needs rest from all of the senses, from taking in, in all of the senses. I love that Ayurveda teaches that you're not just digesting your food. You're digesting everything that you take in with all of your senses. So even if you're not eating, if you're on doing your intermittent fasting, or if you're on some kind of diet, you're still maybe overindulging in sound and sight or, or touch. I love that you brought that up. Cause I think that's, that's been kind of a theme that I know many of my recent guests have also echoed, you know, with, with social media. And a lot of us uh, maybe have seen the social dilemma Netflix documentary and, um, I know for me that kind of raised concern and I always can tell when I'm a little out of balance with my phone. Um, and I try to put on like the timer. So it's like 30 minutes. I 30 minutes is really low. I can't quite stick to it. Um, so I might have to do 45, but, um, and then just really trying to stick to that and really having boundaries around it. And I love the, the example of going to the grocery store and just constantly 
like that's me time that you could have, but we usually, you know, turn on the radio, turn on a podcast instead of just sit with our own thoughts. And that was something my dad, um, I could always tell when he took my car when I was in high school, because every time I'd get in my car, the radio would be off. So I was like, oh, he must have taken my car somewhere. Um, and I, I think that's such a beautiful looking back now as an adult. I'm like, oh, it was that was his way because I have three brothers. That was his way of having the silence, you know, like, OK, some peace and quiet away from the kids. Um, and that that lost art that I think that a lot of us have just now fallen into that consumption constantly and um, trying to back away from it. Mm-hmm. So any, any um, areas uh, for me, I guess the phone can be stressful, but I, right now we just have just this underlying stress in our country. Um, are there any practices that you've been giving to people to help kind of reduce some of that stress that, you know, we might have in the underlying bubbling in our culture right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we talk quite a bit in my course community about what's going on in the world right now and the opportunity for us now to create new versions of normal for ourselves. we spend a lot of time or i've 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 had a lot of conversations with people about when things are going to get back to normal and (laughs) this is a good opportunity for us to reflect on what our cultural norms have looked like in the last couple of decades and whether that's actually something that we should be getting back to. And I think in a lot of ways, uh, we have an opportunity here to create new versions of normal that are much healthier, not only for ourselves, but for our planet. So we're having a lot of uh, reflection time, me and my clients with in terms of how we want our lives to look and how we want to leave our planet to our children, what kind of legacy we want to leave. Yeah, I can feel that. I mean, the, just thinking about what do you, what was working before maybe and what wasn't. And I think, you know, a lot of us, if we examined our, our before, we might not like everything that mm-hmm. had. so mm-hmm. um i like that viewing it as an opportunity to kind of you know just see what what do we want to continue going forwards mm-hmm. um and and with that um as this will air right before the holidays um i would love to you know kind of diving into that one more and this the holiday season this year who knows like we're recording this um a week before uh thanksgiving here in the states and you know, who knows what holidays are even going to be looking like come December. Um, Mm -hmm. But I would love for some just ideas for people, um, not even like sticking to, originally I was going to talk about like healthy habits during the holidays, but I think a lot of it, it might be a lot more releasing and just, um, you know, maybe how to get in touch with some tough emotions that probably will be coming up um, Mm -hmm. this month. Yeah, oh, so well said. And we, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but I saw that recently on your podcast, you've been discussing uh, female hormonal cycles uh, and the different phases of the menstrual cycle. And I think in looking at the winter season, um, 
from a from a greater perspective and from a seasonal perspective, we can also tune into uh, the different phases of hormone cycles. It's it's a lot the same as the as the yearly cycle. So we're going into winter, which <laughs> for hundreds of thousands of years for human beings meant like this hibernation phase, this um, phase of the year where you just went inward and didn't interact much with others and did less because you didn't want to expend too much energy because you had to keep your fat stores. And it's very much the same with female hormonal cycles. We have this menstrual phase where you're very depleted hormonally. Uh, your the energy is very downward. Uh, the this apana vayu energy in Ayurveda, and it's an opportunity to go inward and reflect, and do a bit of pruning. Like come the new year, come the spring what is not coming with me <laughs> moving forward. So I, I love discussing what winter has looked like over the span of human evolution, just to remind people that, you know, again, what we're doing right now is not necessarily normal. <laughs> Having these traditions of like massive Christmas party, massive New Year's party, um, with the with the new year starting on January 1st and setting all of these crazy new year's uh, resolution goals they wanted to, I read the average new year's resolution lasts like 17 days or something and it, that's in a big way because we're not supposed to be taking a lot of action during this winter phase we're in this reflective time the spring is is the new year or the follicular phase when we feel like going outward so i think we have a real beautiful opportunity this year to create new traditions around like what does it look like to hunker down with your family and to just really um, have gratitude for all that's come to be in this year, despite all of its difficulties, and what opportunities will we have moving forward uh, as spring emerges? That's that's very well said, and I think that's what a lot of us will be doing. You know, this winter season is just trying to go inwards. I hope, you know, because I think I could speak probably, and you would probably recognize this as well. But like in general we're pretty much in go, go, go society and have been for years. So this inward reflection almost feels painful. I think it um, does. <laughs> so many people and myself included, like when you're forced into it, but you're like, okay, now wait, because I've really tapped into working, you know, with, with my cycle, you know, every month now. And if you really start to just tune in and ebb and flow, you know, as a cycling, you know, human, you can be like, oh, okay, this happens once a month. But now that come this winter season, I'm in Minnesota, so it gets cold and dark. Um, you know, it's going to be an extended winter season. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, for myself, I like to go outside and I tell people, especially if you live in a cold state, to try to get out as early as possible. So you get used to that, that cold weather on your skin. Um, mm-hmm. But are there some other Ayurvedic, uh, you know, winter, maybe daily routines that you might adjust, um, you know, in the next couple months? Mm, Absolutely. So something I really uh, turn up the frequency on would be my practice of abhyanga or self-massage. So pulling out a warm, uh, 
a warming cold pressed raw organic oil like sesame oil um something you know <laughs> it's interesting that the most nourishing foods for your skin are the are the oils that we actually consume you don't need a lotion or something with preservatives and fragrances in it so taking something like a sesame oil and warming it lightly and then engaging in like romantic candle lit baths <laughs> being in the bathroom and massaging myself from head to toe and then getting in the bath with some candlelight it's just become such a such a non-negotiable winter practice for for my body and mind um that it feels like I'm really nourishing myself from the outside in and when we're experiencing cold on the outside you want to balance that with warmth on the inside so these these warming oils on the body to to keep the skin nourished and and lubricated and then also um having the seasonal warm foods we're enjoying so much uh, root vegetables and squash and those sweet heavy uh, sort of vegetables that um have a little bit more fat content in them and more of that sweet flavor that counteracts you know the cold lightness of winter yeah can you expand a little bit more to even um you don't have to say any like recipes, but like for the winter season, you know, are you pretty much a soups, you know, gal throughout the winter? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I like you, I'm predominantly pitta, but I do tend toward kapha or vata imbalance and winter is vata season. So the cold weather, the, the sort of white spectrum light that's coming from our relation between the earth and the sun in the winter time is it, it can be a little ungrounding. And so adding to that cold, raw foods, salads and, and carrot sticks and things that can be a quick route to imbalance for me. And so we focus a ton on all things soup. I don't want anything raw right now. I'm having soups. I'm having warm smoothies and just all the hot water. And it's just the perfect, perfect balance. You know, you, it makes me think about like all the times as a child, you go outside, you play in the snow, and then you come back and your mom makes a uh, hot chocolate, right? Like the perfect balance. Mm. Yes. I love that. And the bath example with the candles, I was like, oh, I just did that earlier this week. You're in my head, Carly. <laughs> the candles in the bath. Love it. It's also a winner. What a great experience. And yeah, my kids are at the door, knocking at the door, trying to get my attention, but we, <laughs> we do the best we can. Oh, yes. And it's just those little moments where you're like, oh, this is so nice. And um, for myself, like I've gotten, I have a few lamps that are like the burlap um, lampshade. And I find that is really nice in the winter, you know, time just cause it, it helps calm my sun down. So we shut off all of our, you know, overhead lighting in the winter. So he gets like ready for bed and he kind of signals to his body. All right, we're going to bed soon. Um, um so that'd be a helpful hint too, with lighting or just candle lights too. Absolutely. We, ha we do the exact same Andrea. All of our lamps have yellow spectrum light bulbs. So we turn off the overhead lighting and in the evening, it, it, and it's a trigger for your brain to produce melatonin, your sleep hormone. So 
anyone who's having insomnia or trouble falling asleep or staying asleep at night, switch to the yellow spectrum bulbs. I love that. And, and getting off the phone. Like I try to get my phone away <laughs> before, you know, way before bed. And I usually will. And I'm okay with, I don't have problem falling asleep at all. That's my only time to get to watch a TV show. So I'll usually watch something and I go to bed around eight 30 or nine. So usually quickly after <laughs> I put my son to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And I, it used to feel weird and I used to fight it. And I used to say, oh, then I don't get quality time with my husband. But honestly, we were sitting at either end of the couch, either watching TV or looking on our different screens. Like that wasn't quality time. So now we'll hang out for half an hour and chat and then he'll go upstairs and watch YouTube and I will have my lovely bath and go to bed at nine. And it's this just the best life. It's fine. Yes. And my husband, my husband works evenings usually. So he's sometimes not even home by the time. I'm up there. So I always forget. I'm like, I suppose most people usually are home at night together. Cause I've had a few people ask like, what do you, what do you do with your spouse? I was like, Oh yeah, I suppose. I was like, I'm just so used to us having opposite schedules and you know, we have lunch together, you know, instead of dinner. Cause usually we're all home for lunch. So, um, I always like that reminder, like, Oh yeah, you can do different things or this is how you guys can connect in the evening. Um, you know, before you each go on your own way for self-care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, one kind of final question then, um, if you had to maybe give one recommendation for people, if they're kind of like, uh, what's the best way to get started with Ayurveda? Um, do you have any resources or places they could find on your website or anything? Yeah. So, I mean, you can go to, you can, you could head to my website at thehabit.net and, I do have my dosha quiz, which I'll tell you up front. It'll tell you uh, your dosha more pointed toward what your current imbalances might be. And then I have a free class about the doshas, which teaches you a little bit about this ama as well, this buildup of toxins in the body that might actually be, um, it might actually be making it unclear what your dosha really is. That was a big difficulty that I had because I was imbalanced in everything. It was, I didn't really know what my dosha was. And it took a few months of implementing these little daily routines, which I I do share a number of them in this free class. Um, It took a little while of implementing those things before I could actually see Oh, I'm 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 more pitta vata. I thought I was uh, predominantly kapha, but it was because I was carrying around 40 pounds of stress weight that I that I had had my whole adult life. And starting implementing Ayurvedic daily routines, that weight just went away. <laughs> and then I could see that it's actually kind of hard for me to put on weight. <laughs> Oh, see all those little things that you just like, wow, living, just the living out of balance. Yeah. So I always like to end, um, well, actually, is there any place else you want to connect if you're, you're over on Instagram as well? I am. I'm at the habit Ayurveda and on Facebook at facebook.com slash the habit Ayurveda. Perfect. 
So, and I'll put all of those in the show notes as well um, for people to find you. So whenever um, I, ha- I like to end the podcast with a weekly challenge. And then when I have guests on, I have you throw out the weekly challenge to everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? I would absolutely love it. If everyone listening would engage in some of Andrea and my favorite intermittent fasting. So <laughs> <laughs> Even just uh, closing your kitchen by six and take all those snacks that you would love to have in the evenings or that you usually have in the evenings, have them immediately after your lunch. Don't snack in between meals and don't eat after six and just see, even after 72 hours, how much better you're sleeping, how much more energy you have. This is like the beginning of so much. I love that. Yes. And it's great time to do it. Cause I find, you know, like soups are pretty, most people, I won't say everyone loves soups. Cause I have found some people who don't, but soups, bone broth, all of that in the evening, nice, easy way to finish your day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you must have something, look up a, look up golden milk, have a turmeric latte and you will be more than satisfied. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Carly, for coming on and sharing your Ayurvedic wisdom with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.